First Peter chapter two is where we'll be tonight. First Peter chapter two, and uh, and if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's word, and uh, we'll read the first ten verses here. So a little lengthy passage, but uh, we'll um, be hitting a lot of these verses tonight. First Peter two one says, "Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies." And all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone. Uh, Hence, uh, we're in Cornerstone Baptist Church tonight. Uh, Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient... The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And now he turns the attention to you and I. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for your goodness. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the topic that we're going to be discussing discussing tonight. Lord, what a wonderful... Uh, wonderful blessing it is to to be a priest. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us understand what it means and help us, Lord, to understand our responsibilities as priests. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we are going through the series, Baptist Beliefs. We were looking at the different Baptist distinctives. And uh, we've looked at, first of all, the Bible-only authority and We talked about in my Sunday school class how really that's the foundation of all of our beliefs is the Bible. Uh, We're not getting them from tradition. We're not getting them from, uh, you know, historical councils. We're getting them from the Word of God. And so that's our foundation. And then we uh, took some time to go through and talk about what Bible we should use and, and what Bible we hold to here at Cornerstone, and that is, of course, the King James Version. And then we... uh, we spent some time, we spent two messages on the uh, letter A, autonomy of the local church, and we looked at the inception of the, uh, the church and the identity of the church and the independence of the church. And then, and then last week, we, we looked at our involvement in the local church and, and the importance of the local church and how it's important to Christ and it needs to be important to us. And then we, we looked at some practical uh, ways in which we can be involved in the local church. Well, now we come to letter P, and of course it stands for the priesthood of the believer. Now, when someone accepts Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and he becomes a Christian, many things happen. Many things that he or she may not really be aware of at the moment of salvation, but a lot of things happen. One thing that happens, praise the Lord, is that their eternal address changes from hell to heaven. And aren't you glad if you're saved that your address is no longer, uh, eternal address is, is no longer in hell, but it is now in heaven. In fact, we're citizens of heaven right now, and we're to live accordingly. We talked about that in Philippians chapter number uh, three. Well, another thing that happens is that he's given some new descriptions. And uh, let's look at some of them here in, in verses nine and 10 uh, very quickly, and we'll just mention them and and, and talk a little bit more about them as we go through the message. But here we're, we're called cho- a chosen generation. We're called a royal priesthood, and that's what we're going to be kind of zeroing in here uh, on the message tonight. But 
but also we're, we're called to be a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. And you look around and you go, yeah, we're pretty peculiar. <laughs> uh, that person's really peculiar, you know, and uh, you'd probably be pointing at me. Well, the, the truth is we are called to be peculiar. We all called, called to be different uh, from this world. And uh, here's another description going on down through verse 9. We should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He, no longer are we living in darkness. Now we are living in the light of God and in the light of Christ. And uh, we were going through our, our favorite Bible verses uh, this morning in uh, Sunday school. And uh, Brother Jed mentioned Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God. Uh, your Father, which is in heaven. And uh, we're no longer in darkness, but now we are uh, been called into His marvelous light. And then verse 10 says, We were not a people, but now, as a believer, I am a people of God. I'm a person of God. And uh, what a wonderful description that is uh, for us as, as believers. We are uh, the people of God. And, and then, we had not obtained mercy, but now in Christ we have obtained mercy. Tremendous descriptions. But the description we're going to focus in on and, and emphasize tonight is the, uh, the description here in verse number 9, a royal priesthood. It's also found in verse number 5, a holy priesthood. So the priesthood of the believer. And this has a lot of implications. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the outline tonight. And... Uh, because we have cake and ice cream waiting and a birthday celebration to get to. So, uh, number one, let's talk first about the privileges of the believer priest. The privileges of the believer priest. Oh, there are many privileges. First of all, I want us to see that we have direct access to God. You can go to God on your own. You don't have to come into some type of little telephone booth and talk to a so-called priest in order to talk to God. You can talk to God on your own as a believer. You have direct access to Him. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5 says this, For there is one God, and here it is on your outline, one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. There is no other pope. There is no other priest. There is no other bishop. There is no other person other than Christ. That means it's not Mary, and it's not a church, and it's not some church officer. It's Jesus Christ. He is the only mediator between God and men. So that means that I have direct access to God through Christ. Hebrews 4 and verse number 6, talking about Jesus Christ and the one who uh, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, and, and He is our great high priest. He says this in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore, because we have a high priest which can relate to us, He knows what it's like to go through the trials and temptations of this life. That let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So not only do we have direct access to God, but we're invited to come and to come boldly. And Christ makes it possible. Christ gave us that access. And so what a privilege it is to come into His presence. Oh, in the Old Testament, uh, the average uh, Jew did not have that type of access. There was only one, right? The high priest who would go into the holies of holies once a year to offer up sacrifices for his sins and for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus Christ did that. He didn't have to do it for himself, but he did it once for all. And no longer, and, and when, he, when he rose from the grave, what happened? Or I'm sorry, when he died on the cross, what happened? The, the, the veil from the temple ripped in two from the top to the bottom. Indicating that now we all have access into God's presence through Christ. That is the privilege of the believer priest. Is that you, as a Christian, at any time, anywhere, 
for as long as you want. Come into God's presence and he will hear you. We've been learning several verses this year uh, regarding prayer. And the fact that, hey, God promises to hear us, shall hear you. Many of these verses have said, he shall hear us because we have direct access to God. You don't have to go through me. And I'm kind of thankful for that because that would become a very busy schedule if you had to go through me. (laughs) Um, I'm thankful that you can go to God on your own. And friend, with that type of access, don't waste it. Don't ignore it. Utilize that access. Boy, imagine how it would be if all of us had the ear of the President of the United States. And we could come to him and say, hey, there, there's some issues going on. In my, there, there's a neighbor that you know, won't, uh, won't keep his yard clean. Can you deal with that? I mean, imagine if all of us had that, uh, that access. Would we take advantage of it? I think most of us would. Well, we have access, of course, to someone far greater than the President of the United States. And that is the President of the universe. The one who controls it all. Use that access. Don't waste it. So we have direct access to God. Secondly, we have been chosen. We have been chosen. In verse number 9, it says, Ye are a chosen generation, a chosen generation. We, are, we have been chosen. John 15 and verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I, Jesus said, have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We've been chosen. I maybe have shared this story. I don't know if I have, but sixth grade, lunchtime recess. We uh, got to playing some football. We had these, this little football. I mean, it was one of those plastic ones. And we would, we would do what sixth graders do. We would line up. Two of the best players would be the team captains, and they would begin to choose teams. Well, I'm standing there, you know, like, you know, I wasn't one of the team captains. I'm just in there in the line like, 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 pick me. Come on. I'm right here. And uh, I always got picked toward the last. And uh, one day I got picked toward the last, and we were playing. Quarterback calls a play in the huddle. You know, I don't remember what they, they called, but he was going to pass the ball to me. I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. And so he says, hike, I go out and I run and, uh, and I'm looking back and sure enough, he throws the ball to me. And I mean, it was, it was ESPN highlight film worthy, okay, <laughs> of a catch. I mean, I went up in slow motion, I'm sure. Slow motion, you know, music playing in the background and I catch this ball. I land on the ground, and, and, and like the entire, both teams, like kind of look at me going, Eric, wow. And I get up like, no big deal, you know. I do this every day. Okay, so that happened. Next day, lunchtime, recess, picking teams. I'm not one of the captains, but I'm standing there, and I'm just kind of like, I'm not even trying to get their attention. And then finally... Like, the first one says, I want Eric on my team. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got picked first. I got chosen. It felt great to be chosen. You know what? God chooses us not because we're great, because he's great. And it is a privilege of the believer priest to know that we have been chosen to be part of his family. And he is great to choose us to do that because none of us are worthy to be chosen. All of us not only don't deserve to be picked last, we don't deserve to be picked at all. But he loves us and he has chosen us. So we have been chosen. Next, we have access to God's truth. And this found in John 17, verse 17, where Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There have been religions um, in the past who have discouraged their church goers from reading God's word. But as Baptists, now we, we encourage you 
In fact, I want to provoke you and to give you godly pressure to read it on your own. Um, We all need to have a steady diet of God's word on a regular basis. We all have access to God's truth, and I'm thankful that God has made it. And we talked about this in the, in the Bible-only authority uh, messages, that God has inspired His Word, but He's also preserved His Word for His people. And again, once, once again, we have access to His truth. Boy, we better make sure that we're not wasting that access. We better make sure we're utilizing it. We have access to God's truth. Let's use it. We also have access to God's will. I can't tell you what God's will is for you. I mean, I can tell you some of the things based on God's word, what God's will is. For instance, God's will is that you get saved. God's will is that you place your faith in Christ. God's will is that we would live a pure life. God's will, uh, there's, there's many things in God's word that teaches what God's will is for everyone. But then as far as God's specific will for you, you know, what God wants you to do, where he wants you to live, who he wants you to marry, who, what you're going to do with your life, those are things that I can't, I can't tell you, but God can. And you have access to that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Most of us know these verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Make a mental note of that verse. We're going to come back to that here in a few minutes. Romans 12, 2, and it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. What are the next three words? Will of God. Will of God. Yes. All of us have access to God's will. Like, you don't have to come to me and say, Can you please tell me what God's will is for me? Now, I'm happy to have discussions regarding God's will for you, but look, only God can tell you, and God does want to tell you, and God does want to show you, and God does want to reveal that in His timing. So these are some privileges of the believer priest, and most people think, wonderful, I'm so glad that I am a believer priest. But actually, the message continues, because we we need to see here, number two, the purity of the believer priest. Because being a, having all these privileges also brings some responsibilities. The, one of the things, okay, first of all, letter A here on your outline is God's description here. Before we get into uh, the next thought here, I want to I hit this. God's description is that He is holy. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 44 says, For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing, probably that beetle that we just saw, that creepeth upon the earth, because I'm afraid he'll, he'll think I'm a frog. <laughs> Come and eat me up. The Lord says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Isaiah 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried, unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 8, the four beasts had each of them six wings about them and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and is to come. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? In other words, there is no one like him. He is completely holy. Well, what does holy mean? Holy means set apart. He's set apart from all other aspects of creation. 
He's set apart from any human. He's set apart from any animal, any, any uh, creature or cre- part of creation. He is set apart from all of that. And he is completely morally perfect. So that's God's description. He's holy. But let's see here, secondly, God's desire. And that's the holiness of his people. Once again, he's holy. And he says, because I am holy, I want you to be holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, your, your Bible is probably open to chapter 2. If you look back to chapter 1 and verse number 15, but, and this is a reference back to uh, that Leviticus passage here. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Basically, in all manner of life, In all aspects of your life, be holy in every one of them. Because it is written, verse 16, be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 2, 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. In verse 9 again, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy priesthood nation, a peculiar people. Verse 11 talks a little bit more about our holiness. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So we're called to be holy. Titus, Paul says to Titus in chapter 2 and verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God is more concerned about our holiness than He is our happiness. Some have heard this before, but quarterback turned ESPN broadcaster Joe Theismann, allegedly explaining to his soon-to-be ex-second wife why he had an affair, he said this, God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. Sorry, Joe. God doesn't want Joe Theismann to be happy. God wants Joe Theismann to be holy. And God wants Eric Johnson not to necessarily be happy, although his desires, we would have joy. We've talked about that. Don't don't take this all out of context here, but but the overarching emphasis of of his desire for me is that I would live holy. Boy, as I live holy, guess what? It's going to lead to... True, real happiness. I'm not going to have the scars and the regret and the, and the, the consequences of, of living in sin. And when I live according to God's word and God's will and God's way, I'm going to have the blessings of God upon my life. So holiness starts in the heart. It starts with the desire to be like Christ. Remember, that's part of His will for us is that we would be conformed to the image of his, of his son, Jesus. But once it starts in our heart, then it should affect every area of our life. Once again, verse 15 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. He which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. So let's talk about a few of them this, this evening very quickly. First of all, in our thoughts. In our thoughts. We need to be holy in our thoughts. You say, well, didn't we just talk about that this morning? I'm glad you remembered. Philippians 4.8. Yes, I know I preached that this morning. But again, sometimes we need a little reminder. We need a little repetition. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, whatsoever things are lovely, things are of good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, these are the things that you need to be thinking on. 
These are the things you need to be dwelling on. And so we need to be holy in between our ears. So once again, how is it going in that area? God desires that we would live holy right here. Have you been? Or are you thinking about things that you shouldn't? We need to think proper thoughts, holy thoughts. It is so important to get the right things in our mind. Unfortunately, we cannot get the bad things out of our mind. Once they get lodged in, they're there forever. I've heard the illustration of uh, pickle juice. Raise your hand if you like pickle juice. Okay. How many of you despise pickle juice? Okay. No one raises their hand more than my wife on that one. She's not a fan. If I were to give her, if we had, uh, if we had this cup full of pickle juice, I said, would you drink this? She would say, no way. Well, if I poured a little bit of water in there, and, or maybe we got a little bucket and I poured a little bit of water in there to dilute it a little bit, do you think she'd still want to have some of that? No, she'd still be able to drink it. Well, let's take this same amount of pickle juice and put it in a swimming pool and fill the rest with water. And assuming the water was completely pure and drinkable, you think she would drink it? She probably still wouldn't want to, but she probably could and wouldn't taste the pickle juice. If we put it in the ocean, and assuming the ocean water was drinkable and pure water, there obviously is no way that she's going she's gonna to taste it. And yes, I know it's not drinkable. The point is, same amount of pickle juice, but we're putting in the good stuff. And the more good stuff that you put in, the more it dilutes it, and the less powerful it becomes. And so if you have things in your mind that you know that are still there, I would encourage you, dilute it with the water of the Word. Get the good things in so that the bad stuff is not as noticeable, is not as potent, is not as powerful. The devil's not able to use it as strongly as he would as if, if we didn't have the water of the word in there. So we need to be holy in our thoughts. We need to be holy, number two, in our entertainment. Entertainment. Uh-oh, now we're getting somewhere. Mm. Can't we just go to cake and ice cream? Look, does God care about what we watch? Does God care about what we listen to? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said this, and kind of like, what? Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, not yours. So as the temple of the Holy Spirit, I need to remember that what I watch, the Holy Spirit watches too. What I listen to, the Holy Spirit listens to as well. What I view on the computer or on my phone screen, God views too. Can I ask the question, how's it going there? Is the Holy Spirit comfortable in the temple of you? Psalm 101, verse 3, the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. He made a covenant. He made a decision that he is not going to purposely put things in front of his eyes that he knows is wicked. Now, do we live in a wicked generation and we drive down the... Yes, we do. I mean, you can't really even go to Walmart without seeing something at the, at the checkout counter that we shouldn't see. And boy, once the, uh, once the weather turns, 
I always like the winter time. It's a lot easier for us guys because women typically cover up. But boy, once that weather changes, it gets difficult. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes, and I would encourage all of us, especially the guys, especially the men and the young men, that we make this decision, that we say, like the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Why? Because mine eye affecteth mine heart, according to Lamentations. Jeremiah said, what I see impacts my heart for the good and for the bad. God desires that we would indeed be holy in our entertainment. Of course, this includes movies. Of course, this includes television. Of course, this includes streaming. Facebook posts, Instagram, you name it. Whatever your eyes see, God wants those things to be holy. I'm going to turn over to Proverbs chapter 4, and if you want to join me, you can. I'm going to read just about three or four verses here, probably three, when it comes to our entertainment. Proverbs 4 and verse 3, Solomon is, is talking to his son, and, and uh, boy, this is a good thing for dads to encourage and, and instruct their children with, but... Here it is in verse 23, and this is a familiar verse. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And then he says in verse 24, Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Now what he's talking about here could mean that he doesn't want his son using a froward mouth, and he doesn't want his son using a perverse lip, so, so, so don't use those. But... But I think it also means getting the influences in your life that have froward mouths and that have perverse lips, put those far from you. And so, of course, that could mean f friends. I know some who have to work with people who have these type of uh, language uh, situations. I understand that. But look, again, well, don't go hang out with them for a day and, and uh, go out to hang out with them and let them become your best friends. They're going to influence you, and what they say is probably going to influence what you say. Keep thy heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. So put away from thee a froward mouth, and this, of course, also includes our entertainment. You say, well, and, and I understand this. Uh, we, I understand this, but, but look, God desires our holiness, I'm trying to be reasonable, but I'm also trying to be faithful to the one who's called me here. And he's called me, and the one who's called me is extremely holy. And, and he doesn't change with culture, friend. <laughs> Just because it's a little more acceptable in culture now than it used to be 50 years ago doesn't mean that God thinks it's more acceptable. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. And then here it is, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. God cares about what we are listening to, and God cares what we are seeing in verse 25. And those things are gates into our hearts, gates into our mind. We better take seriously the command here to be holy in all manner of conversation, and that, of course, includes our entertainment. We were confronted with this a little bit before we moved to Montana. We had a bunch of DVDs. We took inventory of those before we moved. And we're like, do we really want to move with these? Well, this is a good movie, but uh, we had to make those choices. I would encourage you to go through your collection, to go through your streaming watch list. Make sure that God would be comfortable because he's going to watch it. If you're going to watch it, so is he. And can I remind you that he is indeed holy. All right, number three here, to be holy in our speech. 
Matthew 15, verse 11, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And, and then he says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's be holy in our speech with what comes out of our mouth. By the way, as Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if your heart isn't right, you can try to put some type of like filter on your mouth, but good luck because what comes out, what, what is in your heart is going to eventually come out. Um, you need to have a right heart, a holy heart, and then from there, the holiness will come out. So we need to be holy in our speech. Number four, holy in our dress. Old Testament priests were given special instruction for their attire. And New Testament priests, which by the way, all of us are if you're a believer, are also given some instruction for our attire as well, particularly ladies. Certainly there's uh, the principle in the Word of God about gender distinction and making sure that, that men wear that which pertaineth to a man and women wears that which pertains to a woman. But then in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he, uh, Paul addresses the church. And here's what he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands Again, here's holiness mentioned, without wrath and doubting. And then in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And broided hair, it's just like this really fancy hair, it's, it's basically bringing attention to yourself is what he's saying. This isn't the purpose of your attire and your appearance should be. Really, it's to point people to the Lord, ultimately. Look, God does desire ladies to dress modestly, and I know it's not a popular topic to bring up. And it's uncomfortable for me as a man to talk about it, but the Bible says it, so I better preach it. And look, modest apparel, I realize that, um, you know, some, some ladies may feel like, well, if I dress modestly, I'm not going to really fit in with the world. Okay. Can you show me in the Bible a verse that says we're supposed to fit in with the world? Pretty sure you're not going to be able to find one. In fact, you're going to find quite the opposite. Do you remember in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, the text here in verse number uh, nine, he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're called to be the light of this world and the light is completely different than the darkness. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be different from the world. Look, I don't, and, and, and I've said this before, I don't want to get into a, a, a judgy type scenario with this with this particular topic. But friend, we've got to obey this one too. Just because it's a little touchy, just because it's a little sensitive, doesn't mean we throw it out the window. We need to be holy in our attire. Because like it or not, yes, God looks at the heart, but man looks on the outward. And a great opportunity to be a great witness for God. Ladies, you have a tremendous opportunity in this world to be a witness by modest apparel because it's not happening in the world. You have an opportunity. Use it. You say, well, I don't really like that. Well, the good part is I didn't write it, so you can't really blame me. But I do have to recite it. 
And I am responsible, and one day I'm going to give an account to God whether I said it or not. And so I need to say it. To be holy in our dress. Number five, be holy in our actions. 2 Peter 3.11 Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, talking about the fact that one day this world is going to burn up. All the things that people work their lives for, all the toys that they try to accumulate, all the material goods that they think are going to bring them true lasting joy, they're all going to burn up. They're all going to be dissolved. And he says, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? God does desire that we would have godly actions, that everything we do would be holy. Look, if, if Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I, I, I kind of wonder what you'd do. Oh, I, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honored guest, and all the food you'd serve him would be, oh, the very best. And you would keep assuring him that you're glad to have him there and that serving him in your home is, is just joy beyond compare. But honestly, when you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door with arms outstretched in welcome to your heavenly visitor? Or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in? Or hide some magazines and, and put the Bible where they'd been? Would you turn off the radio and hope he hadn't heard and wish you hadn't uttered that last loud hasty word? Would you hide your worldly music and put some hymn books out? Could you let Jesus walk right in, or, or would you rush about? And I wonder, if, if the Savior spent a day or two with you, would you go right on doing the things you always do? Would you go right on saying the things you always say? Would life for you continue as it does from day to day? Uh, would your family conversation keep up its usual pace? And would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you always sing and, and read the books you always read and let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed? Would you take Jesus with you everywhere you'd plan to go? Or would you maybe, you know, change your plans for just a day or so? Would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends or, or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad to have him stay forever on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? Yeah, it might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus Christ in person came to spend some time with you. Newsflash. The Holy Spirit's living inside you if you're a Christian. He's there right now. He'll be there tonight. He'll be there tomorrow. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So let's be, let's be holy in all manner of conversations. Now, I know most Christians are okay with their pastor saying, look, love not the world. We as believers need to live holy lives. But not so much once that pastor begins to define it and explain what it looks like in our day and age and goes into the specifics at that point, he becomes legalistic and judgmental. Can I explain something to you? Encouraging believers to live a holy life in this present world is not judgmental. It's not legalistic. It's being faithful to the Word of God. It's being faithful to the one who called me into this position I'm called to be the under-shepherd of this church family and to watch for your souls. I'm, I'm called by Him to preach the Word, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. To say things like, we need to change some things. Not easy to do. You try it sometime. You get up here and tell everybody uh, what to do. Easier said than done. So I'm just trying to be faithful tonight to the one who called me to do this. So I'm asking, where are the Christians tonight who are willing to do whatever it takes to please the Lord? I mean, if it means I change my thinking habits, I'm willing to do it. 
Where are the Christians who say, if it means changing what music I listen to or what I consume for entertainment, I'm willing to do it. If it means that I change my vocabulary, if it means I change my wardrobe, if it means I change where I go or what I do, and it brings honor and glory to my Lord, I'm willing to do it. Where are those Christians today? Well, it's 2019, Pastor, almost 2020. That's so old-fashioned. Oh, I guess God's not old-fashioned anymore. I guess God has changed. Fortunately, as we mentioned this morning, God hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's never going to change. Yes, culture's going to shift. That doesn't mean we need to follow the culture. No, we need to follow God, and we need to stay faithful to him. There's a song, and I don't know who wrote it, but it goes... The words go like this, take the dearest things to me. If that's how it must be to draw closer to you, let my disappointments come, lonely days without the sun, if in sorrow more like you I'll become. Look, I'll trade sunshine for rain, comfort for pain. That's what I'll be willing to do for whatever it takes for my will to break. That's what I'll be willing to do. Whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do. Whatever it takes to be more like you, that's what I'll be willing to do. God's looking for Christians who will have that mentality. First Chronicles 29, 17, and we'll move on to the last quick thought here. I know also, my God, David is praying, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. God has pleasure when his people say, I'm going to live a holy life, an upright life. I take pleasure in that. David knew that. Was David perfect? Absolutely not. But he was the still the man after God's own heart, and I want to encourage you to be as well. Last thought here, number three, the presence of the believer priest. And I am going to try to zip through this very quickly here. Verse number five of 2 Peter chapter 2. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, here it is, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. There are some gifts, there are some sacrifices, there are some presents in which we can offer up to God. Now these aren't bloody offerings like they were in the Old Testament, praise the Lord, the blood of lambs and bullocks. No, they're the offerings of the heart. What are they? Very quickly tonight, letter A is prayers. Prayers is a Offering that we can give to the Lord, Revelation 5 and verse 8, this is an interesting verse. It says, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps. And here it is, golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. So evidently in that moment, there's going to be these vials full of odors and basically a perfume or or I'm not sure exactly, but it's going to smell. And these are filled with the prayers of the saints. Can I ask the question, how large is your vial? How full is your vial? How sweet is the smell there? So prayers are an offering, a a present that we can give to the Lord. Next, praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Praise. Next, possessions. We can give our possessions to the Lord, to the work of God, invest in in, in eternity. And when we do, God is well pleased. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, Verse number six, I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For here it is, God loveth cheerful giver. When we give to the Lord and we give cheerfully, God is well pleased with that particular present, with that particular sacrifice. Next one is our person, ultimately giving ourselves to the Lord. And I mentioned Romans 12, 1 a little bit ago, and it says again, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Basically, Lord, you've got it all. Like, I'm not going to hold anything back. You've got my body. You've got my future. You've got my talents. You've got my treasure. You've got my family. You've got it all. It's all yours. You own it anyway. I'm just recognizing it and telling you that you can have it. It all belongs to you anyway. And then the last one is people. Here's another spiritual sacrifice that we can offer up to the Lord, and that is other people who come to know the Lord as Savior through our witness and through our testimony. Romans 15 and verse 16, Paul says this, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Paul says, look, I've been trying to get the gospel to the Gentiles, and I want to present them unto the Lord. Look, every person that you and I have the privilege of talking to about Christ is a potential offering that you can give to the Lord. So I would encourage you, take those Christmas flyers this season, use those to invite your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, uh, everybody that you can think of, because that's a tremendous opportunity to give back to the Lord who's given us so much. Being a Christian definitely has its blessings, doesn't it? It's a tremendous privilege to be a believer priest. There's great benefits, but there's tremendous responsibilities. It's a tremendous calling. And let's, as Christians, take it seriously. How are you doing as a believer priest? I would dare say that in all of our lives, including mine, maybe even especially mine, there needs to be some improvements. I hope that you'll make some decisions tonight to do just that. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be a believer priest. Wow, the, the access that we have to you is incredible. What a tremendous resource that is. We're so grateful for that. Lord, thank you for choosing us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to know the truth and to, to know your will for our life. It's a wonderful blessing to be a believer priest, but Lord, you have also called us to, ha to be a holy priesthood. Be a holy nation. Be holy because you are holy. Lord, help us not to conform to some outward religious standards, but Lord, to have the inward desire to be like you. To be willing to do whatever and change whatever in order to please you. Lord, yes, we know that you love us as we are, but you also want us to be conformed in the image of Christ. And Lord, Whatever it takes, help us, Lord, to be willing to do that. Lord, help us also to offer up these spiritual sacrifices as well as we go through our life. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.